In the waning days of the legislative session in Albany, Democratic state lawmakers pushed through a measure that is designed to limit the use of non-compete agreements in the workplace so employees have more freedom to move from job to job based on the best work opportunity for them. Perhaps unsurprisingly, dozens of businesses and associations representing employers have lobbied state officials, including the governor, to block the measure from being implemented. For more on that opposition, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Paul Zuber, Executive Vice President at the Business Council of New York State. Thanks for visiting us in the studio. Paul. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate your time. So generally speaking, what are the different forms that non-compete agreements can take and why do you think they're important for employers? Well, let's start with why they're important for employers. They're important for employers for the, the basic issue of retaining talent. Employers invest a lot in their employees in many cases, whether it's through training, through other things that the the company may do. And being able to keep that talent becomes very important, as well as being able to make sure that certain like trade secrets or business disclosure issues are not released to competitive companies. And so non-compete helps with that, right? So, you know, when we're looking at New York State and we're looking at the issues that are occurring in New York State with our businesses leaving, our businesses coming, the problem with having a bill that bans non-competes, it does make us uncompetitive with other states because there's going to be financial institutions, R&D heavy uh, companies, as well as, you know, some pharmaceutical companies, which may look at New York now and say, wow, well, if I go to New York um, and there's a non-compete, how do I avoid um, some of my trade secrets coming out? How do I avoid um, people not poaching my my top talent? I know that the legislature, uh, when they did this bill, there were certain provisions within the bill that they did um, to address some of those issues. So they did provide um, language in there that allowed you to enter into agreements to protect trade secrets and non-disclosure agreements. Mm -hmm. But the problem with that is it's a very murky area. And when you start talking to employment law law councils and you start talking to the general councils of, of businesses, they see this ripe for litigation. So I'll use this as a perfect example, Dave. If you were working for a pharmaceutical company and you were working on a new drug that was going to cure cancer, you leave the company. The company that you work for hasn't actually finished and, 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 you know, completed or, um, you know, uh, figured out how to create that drug to cure cancer, but you go over to another company. Now, you take all that knowledge with you. You're not taking over any trade secrets, but by the work you're doing there, you inevitably discover how to make that drug work. So it's called the inevitable dis- disclosure doctrine. Those type of things become a very murky area. Is that, is that leaving with a trade secret? Is that not leaving with a trade secret? So those are, are the types of things that are going through companies' minds when you get rid of uh, non-compete agreements. Um, well, well, so that's a lot to unpack there. Let's yeah, start yeah. with the issue of retention. Yeah. Why should non-compete agreements be used as a means of retaining employees as opposed to offering better salaries, better perks, uh, professional development, which are the things that are probably attracting people who are otherwise held hostage by non-compete agreements. Yeah, but I, I don't think you're going to get most companies are not going to give you the types of salaries that some of the top tier executives get 
when you don't have non-compete agreements. They're not going. But these aren't limited just to top executives, well, though. Well, I guess I guess this is where I'm going with this. I, I think that the legislature. Um, I'm not here to bash the legislature, right? Because, because I think I guess what I'm trying to say generally, when you come in here and you talk about a bill you don't like, um, often we we go through the process of saying, "Oh, the legislature are terrible, they're horrible." I think the legislature had the best intention um, when they were doing this bill. Um, you know, there's there was a case several years ago that Eric Schneiderman worked on where Jimmy Johns had non-compete agreements. Like, I, I, to, for the life of me, I don't understand why Jimmy Johns uh, a, a sandwich. Uh, franchise would would have non-compete agreements. I think for certain employees, non-compete agreements are things that limit people's mobility. It limits people's opportunities. That's I, I think that's without question. I do think that there is a point when you get into the higher tier executives that non-compete agreements become a very important. And I, what I would say that our position as the business council is we would like to see certain changes to the bill that can kind of address that. So for example, um, Washington DC has a non-compete um, uh, legislation. They have a, a floor of $150,000 in compensation. So if you're above $150,000 in compensation or more, then it's okay to have non-competes with that with that tier of of your employees, but below that, um, it would ban non-competes. I think those are the type of discussions that we would like to have with the legislature and that we would like to have with the governor's office. I think there's ways to make this bill work for everybody. I think there's ways to tighten up the trade secrets language. I think there's ways to tighten up other aspects of the legislation. So you mentioned the idea of trade secrets and the idea that only non-competes can really keep some of these things from being leaked out from one employer to another. What about the idea of non-solicitation agreements for people? Is that a tool that could be used as opposed to non-competes for, say, people who might be in the advertising business or something else where they might be using customers? Could that be a more effective tool for protecting business interests. Uh, yes. I mean, I think it is an effective tool. And I think that's something that, again, we have suggested to uh, both the legislature and the governor's office that you could create this threshold, for lack of a better term, um, in terms of employee compensation. I think you also have to um, be very clear um, about non-solicitation agreements. I think you also need to be very clear about trade secrets. I also think you need to be very clear, like, if you have a non-compete and you're uh, a partnership or you're forming or you're selling your business, um, you know, we have to be very clear as to what information can and can't be uh, disclosed. Um, if people are forming a business or is there a separation of a business. Um, so I think those type of things are the type of things that we're talking about that could be fixed in the bill that could make everybody happy. Because again, I, I think the legislature's intent was to protect that mid to low range worker. Um, I don't want to speak for, for the sponsors, but I think it was to protect a mid and low wage worker who you know, is unable to, you know, get another job because they're stuck in a, in a, in a non-compete agreement. I, I think where the business community is concerned is more concerned um, of that mid-level to higher-level executives um, who they've invested a lot of money, that are getting paid a lot of money, um, who may or may not leave the company and take their knowledge with them to another company.
Well, an example we heard in speaking with the Senate sponsor, Buffalo Democrat Sean Ryan, was uh, the idea of, of a doctor being limited to where they could potentially go. So what is the benefit to society or that doctor by requiring them to sign a non-compete, uh, keeping them from working, say, within 20 miles of where they might work mm-hmm. now? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that's something that's an ongoing discussion about the medical field. Um, you know, there are some points that have been raised by the legislature in terms of, uh, you know, doctors and nurses. Um, you know, we're open to those discussions. I, again, we would prefer a kind of a, a threshold for that group. But, you know, that's that's part of part of the things that we're, we're discussing to kind of make sure that we tighten up the bill and that it doesn't impact businesses. So we don't run into a situation where once again, businesses are unwilling to come into New York because they're worried about a non-compete bill that may or may not impact their top tier management. You know, we have a, a strong emphasis by this governor to bring in um, highly uh, technical companies, uh, high tech companies, uh, companies that are heavy in uh, research and development. Those companies are going to be nervous coming into New York if there's uh, a thought that their information could or their employees could go and take that information someplace else. A national study found that non-compete agreements basically artificially deflate wages by hundreds of billions of dollars each year. So what do employees get out of non-compete agreements? Well, but it, they deflate um, wages. But again, I think what we're talking about is we're not talking about the mid-level to low-level um, waged employees. I think our concern... But that, I mean, that adds up, though. If every single fast food employee mm-hmm. is signing a, a non-compete and they can't go uh, across the street... Oh, but, uh, but we agree. We agree that that, that, that individual shouldn't... But s- shouldn't same thing for the doctors, nurses... That shouldn't, person shouldn't have, but the executive who works at uh, a large banking institution or a large financial institution, uh, we believe that you know non-competes protect those companies. Well, and you, but you've also used it for for like scientists as well. Uh, yeah, but we, but as I said before, what we're looking at is um, we're talking um, to the legislature and the governor's office about creating a, a, a compensation level that we believe would work and using that compensation level and doing what some other states have done. Like I said, mentioned before, the District of Columbia has a $150,000 threshold. So we're looking at that as a means to kind of fix the bill for lack of a better term. Because again, I, I, I agree with you. There are certain instances where non-competes make no sense. Uh, you know, I used the Jimmy John's example. That just that doesn't make make any sense whatsoever. I mean, what's the person going to do? Go like take their trade over to Subway and then suddenly like <laughs> Subway's going to learn how to make make a sandwich like Jimmy John that that's insanity, right? Although that's Subway com- sandwiches might be able to benefit from some improvement though. <laughs> yeah, I I agree with you. I agree with you there. But that's 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 complete insanity. I I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to 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 balance what we believe the legislature was looking to do um, with some of the concerns that our companies have with their top tier executives and some concerns that they have with disclosure of very confidential information. Well, finally, assuming the status quo or some version of it is left in place, it's my understanding that when companies or employees try to enforce or break non-competes, that oftentimes these things can get caught up in the courts and the courts regularly strike down these non-compete agreements for being invalid. So, are these actually functioning documents, or do they mostly just w- function as like boogeymen? 
No, I mean, the courts, look, I mean, there's a four-pronged test uh, that the courts have used in New York State to determine whether a non-compete agreement is valid or not. Um, don't ask me to quote the, the, four, the, four, the four tests, but, uh, you know, I think anybody who's listening can go on the Attorney General's website, and I, I believe they've actually listed that um, in, in terms of uh, non-compete agreements. So there is, there is a four-pronged test. So most companies realize that there's a test within New York State as to what constitutes a valid non-compete agreement. So most companies that have, you know, a good, strong general counsel generally are able to craft non-competes that meet within that that mm-hmm. dynamic that New York State has ruled are necessary to uh, make a valid non-compete agreement. So I imagine then at this point in the process, you're probably working the second floor to try to get them to either veto or get some sort of chapter amendments? Uh, yes. We're working with, we're working the second floor. Um, you know, obviously, you know, we continue to have outreach to the legislature and, and talk to the legislature because we're not, again, we're not looking to do anything uh, behind their backs because, uh, again, I, I think we realize that their, their intent was good, right? It, it, we just have a difference of opinion as to who should fall under the non-compete world and um, those who should not be in the non-compete world. And I, and I think we can hopefully work this out to benefit our members, but also benefit New York State by ensuring that companies still want to be here and still want to operate in New York State. Well, we've been speaking with Paul Zuber. He's the Executive Vice President at the Business Council of New York State. Paul, thank you so much for making the time. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And for more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show. Is your business, agency, or service interested in delivering your message to more than two dozen radio stations statewide carrying Capital Press Room? If so, visit capitalpressroom.org to contact our underwriting team.